This is One-on-One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUB Sports. With top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is One-on-One's NFL Friday. Welcome to NFL Friday, week 11 already. The season continues to fly by. I'm Tom Scabelli hosting today alongside Billy Reinhardt. We'll also be giving us fantasy advice throughout the show. And Brendan O'Connell pulling also a double duty today. I guess I'm the one slacking off. I'm only hosting, <laughs> but Brendan hosting and producing as well. And we also have Charlie Maisano in studio helping Sir out Charles with us. Charles in the house. Yeah, he's been coming every week. He's, he'll get on here eventually. But for now, week 11, start off with the Thursday night game from last night. Uh, I guess actually, I don't know, these Thursday night games have been so awful. I, I color rush the only thing that kind of keeps me watching. <laughs> but, um, I mean, last night, Panthers beat the Saints 23-20. So both are 4-6 and six now. I think the game ended up being closer. The score ended up being closer than the game actually was. It was a blowout for most of the game. The Saints made a run in the fourth. I think, for me, the story here is the Panthers because I think the question is, can the defending NFC champs make a run and – also, we'll talk about the Luke Keekley injury, but we'll start off with the Panthers. Do you think that, you know, they've now they lost last week to the Chiefs. They won this one now four and six, two games back of the Falcons in the South. Do you think they have enough this year to make a run? Well, Tom, they're certainly surging in the NFC South. I do not think they have enough to make a run though. I mean, it would take a lot to be able to overcome the two game deficit right now that they have in the NFC South to the Falcons. Uh I'm just not that impressed with them. Even the games that they win, they blew a twenty point lead almost uh in the fourth quarter last night in the game against the Chiefs Chiefs they had a big lead that they ended up blowing and losing that game so I just don't think they're a very sound football team at this point I'm not super impressed with them either like you said Billy but at the same time I mean I think I said it a couple weeks ago actually on the podcast when the the Falcons were you know taking the league by storm and I said you know I'm I don't trust the Falcons to to carry it through the whole season and as we've, as we've seen they've kind of tailed off a little bit um but I do, I do think that the Panthers are that dark horse in the division. That, given their recent success, especially like last season, and and uh, having such a successful year uh, there, but then having this kind of Super Bowl hangover this season, I think that if they can can get over that, which it looks like they might be starting to do, and even though they haven't, you know, hung on as well as we as well as they would have liked to the past couple weeks, they've still uh, last night they got it done, and I think that if they can keep that momentum going I think that they're dangerous to catch the Falcons and I think that really I think it's going to come down in the last couple weeks in this division because I don't think any team's going to surge out in front and and really take it as we thought the Falcons might do earlier in the season and that's why I keep the Panthers around well you mentioned the Super Bowl hangover what do you think is the main reason the Panthers are worse this year because I mean they won 15 17 games last year if you count the playoffs and you know they were outstanding all year last year this year I know they lost Norman and they lost some other guys in the secondary do you think it's just the defense the secondary is the problem and I, I personally I think it's the secondary is a huge issue not having really any good cornerbacks and I also think Cam Newton isn't playing as well as he did last season when he was just unbelievable and I think that also it's probably a case of although they were 15 and one last year Maybe they weren't actually as good as a 15-1 and team. Maybe called a few breaks. So I, th- I think it's a mixture of all those things coming together. But, I mean, down the stretch, I do think they have a chance. But the defense needs to start playing better. And so does Cam, honestly. I think it's a personnel thing, like you said. Um, losing a couple of key guys, especially on defense. 
And I think it's also the the case that maybe their record was a little bit inflated last year. They right. kind of had like a little bit of a fluky season, even though they do have a lot of talent to back that up. But I think that the main thing, just you know, from the the outside perspective, is the attitude of those leaders like Cam Newton, who you know the team kind of ride rides and and ebbs and flows with him. And when he's kind of you know sulking about taking big hits or about the team not playing as well as he thinks uh, that they can that they can play, I think that that's where you see the rest of the guys kind of follow suit, and and maybe they don't play up to their fullest potential. I couldn't agree with that more. That's exactly where I was going to go. Even last year, I felt that they were a team that were somewhat cocky, brash. They were great when everything was going well, but they weren't great with adversity, in my opinion. Um, they obviously lost some talent with Josh Norman and other pieces, but Cam Newton's not playing as well this year, and it always starts with the quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. And I mean, I don't want to spend too much more time on this game because it was third name, but I, one more thing I do want to touch on is the Luke Keekley injury because that was pretty frightening. I mean, Luke Keekley, one of the best linebackers, maybe the best linebacker in the NFL, and he took that hit, and originally people thought it was maybe an ACL tear because you saw him getting carted off and he was crying, but today it turns out that he's in concussion protocol, and I mean, it didn't even look like he got hit that hard. It looked like him and Thomas Davis collided, but that was just a weird scene to see him just kind of crying, like almost like uncontrollably. It, it just looked, I mean, I guess maybe that was the symptoms of the concussion is maybe he was just crying. I don't know how concussions work, yeah. but I mean, it was just a weird scene it to see him just getting carted off yeah, and just like def- sobbing. Definitely one of the oddest injuries I've ever seen. I had no idea what was going on at first. Yeah, I obviously I thought it was a leg injury because you don't usually see guys in that much agony right. besides anything other than an ACL tear or Achilles or something like that. So I was completely confused when it happened, and then when you found out it was a concussion, it was a little bit of a relief because it, he wouldn't be out for that long. But at the same time, you're wondering why was he crying? Is it like <laughs> some like more serious than a concussion? Yeah, I mean, I think that's an interesting point because I think that we you may say it's a relief in terms of the player, but it's not a relief in terms of the person which and what I mean by that is that when you're looking at an ACL injury you're looking at a player's future when you're looking at a uh, concussion you could be looking at a person's future if it's that mm, severe definitely. so hopefully it'll be only a one-week thing for Luke Keekley but I mean just sort of the the weirdness that surrounded it and the way he looked yeah you know, hopefully it's not too bad but yeah. it was it was a very strange play and then a very unusual reaction from Keekley too you don't usually see an NFL player kind of just like hyperventilating from from right. sobbing, that's and, a good word. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you, especially to happen to a guy like Luke Keekley, who's just immensely talented, and and who's had concussion problems in the past too. Like last year, yeah. I think he missed three games with with concussion issues. To have a guy who's who's the class of the league at that position go down like that, it's 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 scary. Especially you know when you look at it in the context of. I mean, it's it. It was kind of a, a fluky play, so it probably didn't matter with, whether it happened last night or or this Sunday. But um, I know that players don't like to to play those Thursday night games because they feel like it kind of wears them down and and leaves them more prone to injury too. So I don't know if that's yeah. another issue that the NFL wants to look at. But but all around, it's just a very unfortunate situation with that Keekly play. I don't know if it affects concussions that much. Cause like you yeah, said, no, concussions I, are kind of fluky. Even ACL it just brings up could the, be fluky. The, but yeah, it's, you don't have as much time to condition yourself, definitely. Uh, before we move on, the Saints, who are also 4-6, and six, do you guys see anything coming out of them? I've been more impressed this year from them than I thought I was going to be. Same. Starting with when they faced the Giants and I got to see them up close. 
I think they're a much better defensive team than I expected them to be, even without Delvin Bro, their best cornerback for most of the year. Um, they've surprised me in that regard. Drew Brees is always solid at the quarterback position. Mark Ingram actually hasn't been too good this year, and they've still been able to be okay. I mean, they're, the NFC South is, besides the Falcons, they're all bunched up, so they have as good a chance as anybody to catch the Falcons. Yeah, I think that, that this year, I haven't been overly impressed with the Saints, especially with that 4-6 and six record that you mentioned, Tom, and I think that it's kind of a continuation of, of what I've felt has been sort of the slow, eventual downfall of the the Saints' operation in general. Right. I think you look at Breeze, who's aging. You look at, you know, they still have problems on that on that defense. And um, just just in general, I think I think Sean Payton's a good coach, but I think that they've they just haven't been able to correct the issues that they've had, you know, since winning that Super Bowl back a handful of years ago. So it they you know if they don't sort of go in a different direction, I just see them falling more and more in in years to come. Yeah, I agree. They've definitely fallen off, and I think that. I've always thought Drew Brees was a little bit overrated, and I think that they the Saints just have too many problems right now. Where I would really look at you know getting rid of him and starting to rebuild for the future because he's getting in his mid thirties. I think it's time to maybe you know sell him off and, and start to rebuild. But that'll wrap up our Thursday night football talk. We're gonna talk Giants next. We'll talk about their Monday night win over the Bengals and preview this week against Chicago. But first, let's get our first fantasy advice segment of the day from Billy Reinhardt. It's time for some fantasy football talk. Who are the best picks around the NFL? Plus, start them and sit them to help you win your league. So I'm very high on the Giants this week. Three of my players to start are from the New York Giants. QB Eli Manning should have a big day against the Bears. They're a team that has given up the, sec- the the most fantasy points per game to wide receivers this year. That should lead to a big day for Eli, Odell, and my other player to start, Sterling Shepard, who's caught touchdowns in consecutive games. I also expect the Giants to be up in this one more than they have been in recent games. And after a breakout game last week, Rashad Jennings should get another large workload and have a high chance of having success. Also in that game, with Alshon Jeffrey out for the Bears, I expect their number two target, tight end Zach Miller, to have a big game. He should get in the end zone if the Bears score. And now another Bear, a former Bear and Giant, Martellus Bennett, tight end for the New England Patriots. With Rob Gronkowski being ruled out, he should see the majority of the red zone targets. This is a great matchup for uh, Bennett against a lackluster San Francisco defense. I think the Patriots will want to come out strong after falling last week to the Seahawks. So I think Martellus Bennett should have another big game similar to the one that he had against the Browns earlier in the season. All right, I like the picks. I like the Zach Miller pick especially. He's on my team, and I agree. I think that he's going to have a uh, big game, especially with Jeffrey out. Well, we talked talking about that game already. It's mentioned some fantasy plays, but it's time now to talk Giants. All right, Giants have now won very quietly almost four straight games all of a sudden they are six and three and they have the third best record in the nfc i talked about that and previewed the chicago game in my giants report this week another week another win for the new york giants after their 21 20 win over cincinnati monday night big blue has won four straight and have the third best record in the nfc at six and three 
it was another close but impressive win for the Giants. They were without Justin Pugh to begin with and lost Brett Jones during the game, so Eli was under pressure but he still got the job done. He threw for 240 yards and three touchdowns. To nobody's surprise, Odell Beckham had another huge game, catching 10 balls for 97 yards and a touchdown. The biggest play of the game didn't involve Beckham though. Early in the fourth quarter, the Giants had a fourth and goal on the Bengals' three down 20-14. Instead of taking the easy points, Ben McAdoo took a risk going for it and the risk paid off. Eli connected with Sterling Shepard for a three-yard touchdown, giving the Giants a 21-20 lead that they wouldn't relinquish thanks to another stellar defensive performance that included an interception and three timely sacks. Here's Eli on his team's recent play. You know, just proud of the, the way you know, the team's fighting um, and, you know, defense, offense, you know, making plays in, in critical moments of the game to win. To win. That's, 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 uh, you know, that's, that's what it takes in this league. He has plenty to be proud of. The Giants keep finding ways to win, especially in close games. With the offense looking sharper and the pass rush showing signs of life, the Giants are starting to look like Super Bowl contenders. This week they're home against a depleted Bears team. The Giants defense should dominate Jay Cutler and company, especially with Alshon Jeffrey suspended, and I expect the offense to continue to improve. Giants take this one 27-16. With this week's Giants report, I'm Tom Scabelli, WFUV Sports. Alright, as you could hear, I'm picking the Giants to win 27-16 this week over Chicago. And guys, we'll, we'll talk about the Bears game more in a little bit. But more, I want to talk about, you know, maybe the Cincinnati game a little bit. But also just so far, in general, the Giants, like I said, they've won four straight already. They're 6-3. and three, And the biggest difference between this year and last year, outside of the improved defense, is that they're finding ways to win close games this year. I know that, you know, sometimes you say, oh, look at the point differential for the Giants. You know, maybe they're getting lucky. But I think you look at it as a way that, hey, every close game they've been in this year, they found a way to win. And that says a lot about the character of outside of the Washington game, I guess. But that says a lot about this team. They continue to find ways to win. And, you know, I said in my report, and, you know, maybe it's a little bit of bias from me, but... Is this season starting to look a little super for the Giants? I mean, they're playing really well. The offense is sharp. The defense is really good. And who in the NFC really scares you? So, Billy, I know you're a, a Giant fan. What What's your take? I was actually telling our man Bob Aarons the other day that I think the Giants have an outside shot at making the Super Bowl. My outside-the-box uh, prediction was actually Giants-Patriots 3 with Patriots coming out winning this time. No, no, no. But <laughs> if that happens, the Giants will win. <laughs> that was my prediction. I, I'm not afraid of anyone in the NFC. Uh, I think the Seahawks are the best team, despite the Cowboys having the best record. The Giants beat the Cowboys on the road to start the season, the only loss that the Cowboys have suffered. So I love the Giants' chances. I think they're going to move to 8-3 and three after wins the next two weeks against the Browns and Bears, and then we'll see where they go from there. They have a good shot to make the playoffs and possibly even win the division. All right, Brendan's got some right. smirk on his face. Re- reality this check fan, from, so well, I'm, I'm a Pats fan, so I'm, I'm you know, inherently biased <laughs> against the Giants. But, um, I mean, you're right, Tom. They have, you know, ever since that, besides that Washington game early in the season and especially just during the streak that they've been on, they've been able to win the close games. They've been able to, to figure it out both on offense and defense. And, um, you know, they've they've turned their season around. They're looking like one of the better teams 
especially in that division in the NFC East, you could make the case this year is, is if not the best division in football, one of. So that's, I think it's definitely the best division. In yeah, football. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I still that look at the, the AFC West. The AFC West. That's what oh, I would true, say. True, but, true. but you know, it's definitely the best uh, division in the NFC this year. So um, the Giants, they've they've really turned it around. But I think that to and you know they'll probably win this week against the Bears, the next week against the Browns. So they'll they'll be looking even better. But I think you know it's time to <laughs> to kind of. Take it easy a little Burst bit on, our the, bubble. on the yeah the the Super Bowl well, no. aspirations. I think that you know whenever they get in the playoffs, they're definitely dangerous and and they have the potential to go on a run. But you look at you know well first of all you got Dallas in the division and I think Dallas is is really a, a surprising team this year in the fact that I didn't think they were going to be as good and even as great as they are and you you still got them in their way. But then you got the Seahawks and. And as a Patriots fan, I know full well, especially from this past week, how good the Seahawks really are. The Seahawks, you know, especially Russell Wilson, he turns it on in the the second half. The defense and even the running game, to a certain extent, they seem to be figuring it out. So I think that Seattle, especially if they, you know, um, finish ahead of the Giants in the standings and have that, that home field, I think that... Seattle could be the team to beat in the NFC when it comes to playoff time. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not saying the Giants are like the clear best team in the <laughs> NFC and they're going to cakewalk to the Super Bowl, but like I was telling you guys earlier, I get there's one point every season, even the seasons they end up finishing 6-10, and 10, where I convince <laughs> myself that they're going to win the Super Bowl, and I'm about at that point right now. And even it's, two weeks early, maybe. What? You're even two weeks early, maybe, I, if they I, get to 8-3 and three and— petrified of these next two games. They should win, <laughs> but like typical Giants fashion, I would not be shocked— they lose the one Browns of these are going games one and fifteen, because... and they're beating the Giants. Is that what you're saying, Tom? I don't, I don't know, but it's <laughs> it's a thought in the back of my head, and I, I want it to get out of my head. But um, <laughs> no, I just think that the Giants have a good mix of things going for them. Mm-hmm. You still have Eli, who is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. You know, whatever you want to say, they have one of the top three, top five wide receivers in the league, and Odell Beckham. And their defense is the difference this year. Looks like they had three sacks on Monday. Maybe they're finally starting to get a pass rush together, and the secondary's been solid. Landon Collins is putting himself in the uh, Defensive Player of the Year discussion, so they have a lot of stuff going for them. And like you said, Brendan, when the Giants get in the playoffs, anything can happen. And right now they're in good shape to make the playoffs. I mean, catching Dallas will be tough. That game on Sunday night in a few weeks will be huge, but you look around the rest of the NFC, there's not really that many great wild card contenders. AFC West, the Cardinals, uh, the NFC West, the Cardinals have disappointed. The South, everyone has a losing record except the Falcons. The North is a mess. So even if the Giants don't win the division, I think that they should be good enough, especially if you're going to be have eight wins already through 11 games to at least nab a wild card spot. And that's why I'm just starting to think that this team may have the ingredients to make a run. Yeah, well, back to what you're talking about with the defense. That's what gets me excited as a Giants fan. Spagnuolo finally has the pieces that he wants in his defense, two corners that can get up and press, get in the face of the uh, other team's receivers and allow his pass rush to get to the quarterback. And the pass rush is starting to get hot, and I think that's a position where games can roll over into each other where they're right. starting to get a little bit of a rhythm and more confidence that can get to the quarterback. Landon Collins has been tremendous this year, one of the top defensive players in the whole league. Janoris Jenkins has been 
one of the top corners in the league, and Rodgers Cromartie is always pretty solid. I actually have a stat here which I found very interesting. Through 10 weeks, Janoris Jenkins has the lowest uh, burn, burn percentage for a defensive back at 41%. The next closest is Terrence Newman and Brent Grimes at 44%. So he has a big lead there. And DRC is actually fourth there at 46%. So the Giants have two of the top cornerbacks in the league to go along with a tremendous strong safety in Landon Collins. Olivier Vernon and Jason Pierre-Paul are starting to get going. So I think this Giants team is defense. Uh, is uh, scary. <laughs> Believe it or not, I actually I'm agreeing with what you guys are saying. I'm just saying, you know, look, we're not throwing a ticker tape parade just yet, right? Brandon, but we're just saying that it, things are. But this is optimistic. one of those. This is one of those things as a Patriots fan from from Boston, just listening to to the rhetoric that goes on around there. Gets you nervous. It, it gets it gets me frustrated when people are like, "Oh, who would you rather play in the Super Bowl?" I'm like, "Dude, it's Week Nine. Like, <laughs> you know, we don't have to look that far ahead to." to the Super Bowl and just assume that we're, you know, getting the number one seed and cakewalking through the playoffs against whoever we play. You know, it's, it's one of those things where, um, especially these next two weeks, if as a Giants fan, you need them to take care of business against teams they should beat. And I think that's the key for the Giants. The rest of the season really is just to beat the teams they should beat to put themselves in the best position. Because whenever you don't do that, it, it really deflates any, you know, deflates Aspir- aspirations of <laughs> wow. okay billy okay billy. <laughs> but by the way great great commercial from tom brady i just want to throw that in there it, it was actually Speaking pretty good of that, i was gonna say but, it was pretty good acting but i don't think it was acting i think that was just like him literally just mad at the didn't world didn't happen but moving on uh <laughs> anyway but yeah you mentioned the giants that there's no reason that they should lose any of these next two games and you know let's talk about you know this week specifically against chicago i think that jay cutler stinks Alshon Jeffrey is out. They really, I mean, Jordan Howard's been pretty good in the running game, but the Giants' run defense, led by Snacks Harrison, has been superb. And I think the Giants will get a lead early and will force Jay Cutler to throw. You didn't have them in your fantasy stardoms, but I think the Giants' defense is going to be a really good play this week. Uh, I think they'll get to Cutler a few times, maybe uh, cause some turnovers. So I think they'll have the edge. Um, you know, when the when their defense is on the field. I think when their offense is on the field, I mean, the Bears' defense doesn't scare anybody, and the Giants' defense offense is starting to look a little bit better. I think that their opening drive on Monday night, uh, they scored a touchdown. Eli went 6-of-6 six six for 72 yards on the first drive. I think that was their best offensive drive of the season. And I think that, you know, they're starting to click a little bit more, and, I mean, I know anything can happen any given Sunday or anything, but I, I – don't see the Giants losing this game. I'm sure that'll come back to haunt me, but I don't see it. <laughs> I agree. I have the Giants winning 34-13. Uh, I think this is going to be a statement game for the Giants to the rest of the league. I feel like they're still being overlooked despite having the third best I don't record. Know, statement game. State, yeah, was just... a statement <laughs> game because people have been saying the point differential. They have a negative right, okay. two point differential. I think it's going to finally be a game where the Giants get over 30 points, hold the, the other team under maybe 20 or 15 points, and have a dominant win. I was I was gonna jump on that that statement game comment too a little bit because the Bears are just a dumpster fire of a team. They are awful, and and the fact that Jay Cutler still has a starting job in this league, I don't know. I I question it because I have no faith in Cutler, and so kind of you know, putting that in in this week's context, I got the Giants winning too. Um, as for a score, I don't know. Maybe I think the Giants will get up there in the twenties. Something like Tom said. Something like. You know, twenty eight, thirteen, something up there. Um, Tom, I think you said twenty seven, sixteen yeah. in your report. Great job as always on the report. <laughs> but um, yeah, I I can't see the Giants losing this week either to the Bears. But that's what's got to scare you as a Giants fan is 
is even though you can't see it, it could it could still happen. The only thing that worries me is the same thing that worried me last week, which is the offensive line because Pew is still out, and now Brett Jones is going to be out too. Adam Geddes, who is like their third string, uh, he was banged up on two. practice squad. He was on just yeah. two weeks ago. So I mean, it it's that's the only thing that worries me. But I still think the the Giants will do enough to win this game. And before we we move on to uh, Billy's next fantasy segment, I want to talk about that play call uh, early in the fourth quarter on uh, Monday night. The Giants were down twenty to fourteen. It was fourth and three on the Bengals' three yard line. And instead of choosing to kick a field goal, take the easy points, which a lot of people, myself included, thought may have been the right move, Ben McAdoo showed showed some courage. And he decided to go for it, and it worked out. He hit Shepard with a three-yard touchdown, and they went for another fourth down in that game too. And I love the aggression that Ben McAdoo is showing. And I know early in the year, some people were saying, oh, Ben McAdoo is losing the locker room with the Beckham stuff and everything. But I've been impressed with McAdoo. I love the aggression that he's showing, and I think he's part of the reason that they are 6-3. and three. I, I love that too. One of the things that used to bother me as a Giants fan is how conservative they would play under Gilbride. Yeah. That's something oh, yeah. that's that's something that has changed under McAdoo. Thirteen draw to uh, Derek Ward. <laughs> yeah, I love. I think that shows a couple of things. I think it shows that he's very confident. Eli is going to make the right decisions. He has an explosive playmaker in Odell Beckham. But more than anything, I think it shows the confidence he has in his defense at this point. That yeah. if they do not score, that he's confident they could hold them and not give up more points on the other end. Yeah, I agree. I think it just shows his confidence in in both sides of the ball. And I agree with what you said, t- too, Tom. I think earlier on in the season, I, I mentioned it on one of the early NFL Fridays that we did, that, you know, you got to watch out with, with, you know, all the Odell tantrums and, right. you know, sort of the the ugly losses that, you know, the Giants took, especially to the Redskins and, and teams like that earlier on in the season. I said, I don't know, you know, do you miss Tom Coughlin with, you know, with Ben McAdoo stepping up to that role? But at this point, they're on a roll and, and McAdoo seems to have confidence in both the offense and defense. Yeah, so we'll see. A lot of optimism from the studio (laughs) regarding the Giants. And, you know, for the Giants' sake, hopefully they'll take care of business these next two weeks and move to 8-3. and But like they say, any given Sunday. So we're going to go on and talk Jets, who I'm going to say, this is bold prediction by me, there's going to be a little less optimism when we're talking uh, Jets (laughs) in our next segment. But first, let's get uh, Billy's fantasy sit-ems for this week. Okay, so my players to sit this week. First, let's start at the quarterback position. Carson Palmer of the Cardinals playing at the Vikings. Minnesota struggled in recent weeks. However, they still have a very formidable defense, and being on the road only makes things more difficult. I would stay away from Palmer this week if possible. At the running back position, Thomas Rawls. A lot of people excited to pick him up in their fantasy leagues after Kristen Michael was released earlier in the week. But it's his first game back. Philadelphia has a tough defensive line led by Fletcher Cox, Connor Barwin, and Brandon Graham. And with it being his first game back from injury, I expect Seattle to lean on rookie C.J. Procise after last week's strong performance. Now at the wide receiver position, DeAndre Hopkins is playing at Oakland. He struggled this year, and I'd probably sit him this week. The Raiders' pass defense has improved quite a bit over the last four weeks, and they've held number one receivers like Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, Mike Evans, Allen Robinson, and Jeremy Macklin, all to under 60 yards each with no touchdowns. Um, I expect them to have maybe number three receiver numbers this week, so unless you're in a very deep league, I would not start Hopkins this week. Also, Marvin Jones at wide receiver. He's playing the Jaguars at home. Uh, he's kind of struggled his last few weeks after a strong start with fewer than 40 yards in four of his past five games. Um, and very quietly, Jaguars' corners have been very good this year with Jalen Ramsey and former Giant Prince of Mukamara. 
They have the third best pass defense in the league over the last four weeks, so I would stay away from Marvin Jones if possible this week as well. I'm starting Marvin Jones this week because I don't have any other options. Well, but, uh, <laughs> well, we'll, we'll just see. Hopefully you're wrong, Billy. <laughs> so we'll when you, we'll when see. you get this late in the season, I think we talked about it last week too. It's tough. It's yeah. tough when you you know have to work around injuries and buys and stuff like that to to get your lineup just right. Mm-hmm. I'm starting Tyree Kill this week from uh, <laughs> from the Chiefs. So. He's another possible deep sleeper. What? Maybe for is that a little the spoiler? Chiefs. A little tease for your sleepers. I didn't include him, but I was thinking about including. It's a shameless okay. plug for a sleeper <laughs> section coming up. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we'll have we'll have those sleepers in a little bit, but let's talk Jets now. Last week was another week, another loss for the Jets, as pretty much has been the story this season. Lost 9-6 in a riveting game to uh, <laughs> to the Rams. Jets fall to 3-7. and seven. They have their bye this week. Let's get Christian's thoughts on the season so far and what lies ahead in his Jets report this week. The Jets' season is over. I know, I just killed all the suspense. Covering the... I'm Christian Goey, WFUV Sports. I'm just kidding, there's more. An ugly 9-6 loss to the Rams at home puts the team at 3-7 as they enjoy a bye this Sunday. Bryce Petty made his first career start, and it was sort of what we expected, up and down. I will admit, I didn't expect him to be as composed in the pocket as he was. He started off looking pretty good, with his highlight of the day coming on a perfect 52-yard pass to Robbie Anderson from the Jets' end zone. Unfortunately, he missed on another deep ball to Anderson, who also slowed down during his route. After that, Petty was pretty conservative with the football, not taking too many shots downfield. He threw his first touchdown in the first half on a hook and ladder play with Brandon Marshall and Bilal Powell, but after that, Gangreen just couldn't get in the red zone. They had one last drive to at least tie things up, but Petty threw his first career pick on a poor pass. Overall, he was 19 of 32 for 163 yards with a touchdown and an interception. Here's the second-year quarterback. Definitely a lot to be learned when you're out there as opposed to on the sideline or in practice or in the film room. So, um, you know, I knew there was going to be bumps and bruises. As Petty said, there's a lot to be learned on the field as opposed to the sidelines, which is why there's no doubt he should be the starter for the rest of the season. Todd Bowles said he started Petty because Fitz wasn't fully healthy despite Fitz wanting to start. Bowles still hasn't named a starter, and reports say he's fearful he'll lose the locker room if he goes with Petty. Despite the well-known love for Fitz, this makes no sense considering they have virtually no chance of making the playoffs, which is why Bowles needs to go with Petty. It's the right football move and sends the right message to the fans and even the locker room. Go with the guy who can instill some hope into a dejected fan base. What do you have to lose? Covering the... I'm Christian Goey, WFUV Sports. Great job there by Christian, as always. So the Jets are 3-7. and seven. I think it's safe to say that their season is over. Even if they win out, they are not guaranteed to make the uh, playoffs because of how good that AFC West is. But I don't think they're going to win out, so that's not even an issue. <laughs> so the question is, for the second half, who's the quarterback? Is there a coaching change maybe after this season? And, but I think the quarterback is really the main thing that – is going to be focused on, and Bryce Petty got his first start last week against the Rams. He went 19 to 32, 163 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. He didn't exactly light the world on fire, but he wasn't terrible. What did you guys think of his play? 
I thought he was okay. I saw some things I liked. Uh, he still has a long way to go, but that's what you expect for the first game of a career for someone. Um, I think regardless of the results week in and week out, Bryce Petty has to be your starting quarterback from now on till the regular the end of the regular season. You have to see what you have with him going into the offseason, see if there is anything there. I, I like his ability in some aspects, but it remains to be seen. After one game, it's tough to judge. Yeah, yeah I mean, going forward for the Jets, just anybody but Fitzpatrick, you gotta you got to take the kids for a spin. you got to see if you got something with, with Petty or even Hackenberg if he, you know, is ready to go. Um, so just, you know, you know what you have in Ryan Fitzpatrick, and that's a average to not very good player. So um, as far as a coaching change for the Jets, I don't know. That might be a little bit early with Todd Bowles and what well, I think it's his second season. I mean, I think Bowles is pretty good, but I know a lot of Jet fans seem to hate him. So Yeah, I mean, well, whenever you don't have success, then you kind of True. put that on the coach. <laughs> but but I think that um, – I, I don't think that all the problems are necessarily Bowles' fault. I, I know that um, the, the head coach has a tremendous amount of influence in the, in the NFL especially, but – um, when you look at what you have at, at quarterback, just the roster that, that Bowles has, you know, the depth chart at quarterback, it's it's nothing to write home about. So they they got to fi- find somebody for that position. And it starts now with, with seeing what you got in those kids. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think – I mean, I know it's only been one game from Bryce Petty, but just between, I don't know, what we sort of knew about him coming out of college and, and just what we've seen from him, whether it be the regular season or the preseason, I don't think Bryce Petty – is a franchise quarterback. I mean, I know he says he wants to be a gunslinger. May I? I Philip Rivers is the comparison that some people like to give him. He'd be very fortunate. I don't think, I don't <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. But I mean, you definitely have to play him over Ryan Fitzpatrick for the rest of the season. See what you have in Petty. But I would almost even play. I mean, Christian Hackenberg. I mean, I know that they say he's really not ready yet, but I don't know. I think he has a better chance to be the future quarterback of the Jets than Bryce Petty. So, you know, should Petty really struggle or, or get injured or something, I think that I'd rather see the Jets go back to Hackenberg than go back to Fitzpatrick. Yeah, me too. I think that you you kind of have a lost season at this point. As you said, Tom, they really don't have much of a chance to make the playoffs. So why not just look to the future? Um, you know, even if you play poorly, oh, well, you know, you end up with a yeah. top a top five Probably pick better maybe. if they... Right, finish three and thirteen. A top ten, yep. and a top five pick in the NFL draft, and then, you know, you move forward with with that player and um, whatever you got at quarterback. If you can go out and find somebody in the off season, or or if one of these uh, young players has a has a future, you think, then you ride with that. But you, there's no sense in going back to to a, you know, journeyman veteran like Fitzpatrick or or um, doing something like that. So I think you got to look to the future as if you're the Jets. Yeah, I mean, I think that it the Jets' best option is to go three and thirteen, get a top five or so pick, and then draft a quarterback, whether it be Sean Kaiser, Deshaun Watt, or Kaiser Watson. I, I don't know somebody along those lines, but because, like I said, I don't think that the quarterback of the Jets five years from now is on their roster right now. I think that their goal should be to find that guy, whether it be through the draft. I don't really think there's gonna be anyone available in free agency so I think the Jets finally they haven't drafted a quarterback in the first round since Mark Sanchez they haven't had a franchise quarterback in I don't know Joe Namath I, I mean maybe <laughs> it's not the last really great quarterback they've had I mean Pennington or whoever you want to say but I, I don't know I mean I think that the Jets are not going to be 
a serious contender until they finally get a good quarterback. And I think that the only way to do that is to lose out this year. And if you guys want to sort of preview their second-half schedule a little bit, they've got the Pats, Colts, 49ers in San Fran, home against the Dolphins at Pats, home against the Bills. So they could very easily lose all of those games. Maybe you squeeze one win out against the Niners or Dolphins, but if the Jets' plan is to lose out, well, their schedule uh, is is a friend to them. Yeah, and and as like if you need a stopgap in the in the next couple of years, you might look at a guy like like a Tony Romo or that's somebody who, on the, that's the trade market the to kind of yeah, um, you know, just fill that position for a couple of years. I know Tony Romo obviously wouldn't be your your future, and I agree with the fact that I don't think that the the quarterback <coughs> for the Jets for you know the twenty twenty season is on their roster right now, but. Um, it it just makes more sense to to go that route instead of trying to squeeze out whatever wins you can get with a guy like Ryan. Fitz- if I'm the Jets, my plan is you give Petty the rest of the season to operate, see what you have with him. I don't expect him to light the world on fire. I think he'll prove to be serviceable, feasible if you want to give him more of a chance to grow. Then you go into the off season trying to get Tony Roma, whether if they release him, which I don't think they will. I think they'll probably look to trade him and take back maybe another contract. I don't think anyone's going to take his salary on its own. Um, so that you get Tony Romo, have him for a couple years, be more competitive. And then Christian Hackenberg, who I'm higher on than Bryce Petty, he can sit behind him for a few years, learn the game from him, and then possibly be ready two, three years down the line. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just don't know if trading for Romo, I know Jake Cutler's name has been mentioned, is is worth it for the Jets. Do you think that there's enough talent on the team to that they're only a veteran quarterback away? I don't know if that's the case. I think that doing that, I mean, well, unless you're saying trade for a Romo and still draft like a Watson or Kaiser or, or, or a top quarterback. I don't think you can do that after just drafting Christian Hackenberg in the second round last year and drafting Bryce Petty the year before. Yeah. Hackenberg, <laughs> I watched yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> Penn State's good this year, but the last few years when they hadn't been, I actually watched a lot of games due to a family connection. Um, and I like Hackenberg's skill set, especially a few years ago when he was with Bill O'Brien. I don't think he was used correctly by James Franklin in the last few years. I think he has the body, he has the arm, he can make all the throws. I think it's more of a mental aspect. And from talking with people that know him and know the system and actually played for Penn State in recent years, he wasn't allowed to audible at the line, change anything. So he can see a run play going yeah. one way. He's not allowed to change it at all. So, I mean, he kind of tied his hands behind his back. So I think I think he has the talent to be a good quarterback in this league. I think he's a few years away. That's why I think a guy like Romo would be perfect for the Jets. Yeah, the issue you have with, with drafting a quarterback high in, in the upcoming draft is you have Geno Smith, Bryce Petty, and Christian Hackenberg, who are all, you know, they're all <laughs> young quarterbacks that you drafted within the last Four years. handful of years. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. So if you have already invested that much draft capital in those guys, then do you invest it in a fourth player? I don't know. So, um, And then the other question I have real quick about the Jets is, like, what's going on with a guy like Darrell Rivas? You know, he's just admitting he's that he's old, old and washed yeah. up and not that great anymore. I don't think and Rivas is really that, a great team player. I, I think yeah, Jets I don't have think... a problem in their whole locker room. All their top players have been in the yeah. news lately. Muhammad Wilkerson just got a huge contract. Him and Sheldon Richardson, another stud defensive player, got – in trouble recently and had to miss the first Wasn't quarter of the game. Up to stuff, apparently, yeah. yeah. So right, I so. mean, they got a lot of problems in their locker room. I think you're going to touch on this right now. But Todd Bowles, there was reports that when he took over, people, uh, some of the players were going to strip clubs the night before, 
and that was the culture they had with Rex Ryan. So there's a lot of work they still have to do to change the culture around the Jets. Yeah, and as you mentioned, like, do they have the talent to to be good next year if they you know figure things out? I think probably, but they they got to figure out the locker room issues and especially the defense issues. You guys, you got guys like uh, you know Wilkerson and Revis and um, who am I forgetting? Richardson. Richardson. Yeah. And and guys like that who you were going to count on to to carry your defense this year and they have really been a disappointment. But if you if you get a quarterback, if you look at the offensive side of the ball, you got Matt Forte and then you have Eric Decker and and Brandon Marshall. And when you have two good receivers like that, if you put you know a representative quarterback back there, I mean we saw it even last year. Fitzpatrick had a pretty good season, and the Jets as a result had had a year where they almost yeah, made the true. postseason. So. I think that they still have the potential. But I think they're getting worse from last year because a lot yeah, of guys I, are aging. Yeah. I think with I a guy like that. Tony Romo, though, with the current construction of the team or something similar next year, they can go like 9-7 and seven and at least give a respectable performance for their fans. The other <laughs> avenue is to strip the team of all their veteran big contracts, get rid of Brandon Marshall, who's had a tough year. Darrell Revis, I think he has a $5 million buyout next year. You can get rid of him um, and do those kinds of things. Nick Mangold, who's deteriorating fast so yeah. i mean that's the other avenue you can go but jets have a big decision to make either way yeah uh, i think that'll wrap up our jets talk end it with a bunch of pessimism but i mean <laughs> there's really no no other way to talk about the jets so uh we'll do our pick em segment to close out the show but first let's get billy's final fantasy advice from the show his sleepers for this week so let's start at the quarterback position. I don't know if you could really call him a sleeper still at this point in the season where he's the fourth-ranked quarterback, but in his second year, still not getting a lot of attention in Tennessee. Marcus Mariota is a must-start this week at Indianapolis. Um, Indianapolis is a very poor defensive team. Mariota has been hot over the last six games, averaging 259.5 yards per game with at least two touchdowns each game. At the running back position, let's go with James Starks of the Packers, or whoever gets the bulk of the carries for the Packers, I happen to think it's going to be Starks. He's been better over the last few games, and Washington has given up a rushing touchdown in seven of their nine games this year. At the wide receiver position, a big name, a veteran, Steve Smith at Dallas. Um, Cowboys have allowed eight touchdowns to receivers in their last six games, and they've struggled covering slot receivers over that stretch. Steve Smith's also a big game player playing in Dallas with that spotlight. I think he'll come to play. And then at tight end position, I'm going to go with Eric Ebron against Jacksonville. He's been targeted a lot since coming back from injury, notching seven receptions in each of his last two games. Jacksonville's pass defense has been good against tight ends this year, but Ebron should get enough work to be a starting capable player this week. And uh, Tyreek Hill in there. <laughs> Tyreek Hill. All right. So and thanks. Well, well, quick sleeper for the whole league, you know, as a team, even the the Tennessee Titans. Watch out in that yeah, AFC that South. AFC that South, I know you they love. Always Tom. dangerous. They AFC have a ple- they have a plethora of wide receivers. No one that really stands out, but a lot of average guys. Kendall Wright. Yeah. Rashard, Rashard Matthews, Matthews has yeah. been really good for them. Sneaky I, five I like and five. the Titans. What? Sneaky five and five. Demarco yeah, Murray. Yeah, I I actually keep thinking they're better. Than they are like we, before this week their win I was like oh they're five and four week four I was like oh they're this so when I see that they're not as good as I think they are it's a little disappointing but I'm uh, all in on the Tennessee Titans. Marco Murray's been a savior for fantasy yeah. this year. I have one league where I have him and Le'Veon Bell, Legarrett Blunt. It's a great running back Jeez. trio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So thanks, Billy, for your fantasy advice. Hopefully, we all win this week. But let's wrap up the show as always with our weekly pickums. Let's look into the crystal ball for some weekly NFL predictions. 
All right, first up, Buffalo at Cincinnati. Buffalo coming off a bye week. I like Cincinnati. They really need to win. I think they're better than the record indicates. I'm going to take the Bills. Cincinnati has struggled the last few weeks. Buffalo's played two really good teams in the Patriots and Seahawks tight. I take the Bills on the road. I'm going to take Cincinnati for other reasons that you mentioned, Tom. All right, next up, Pittsburgh at Cleveland. I think we could all agree Steelers, right? Steelers. <laughs> Send it. Uh, next up, Baltimore at Dallas. I know we were talking a little bit before the show that Dallas, well, I think they are very good, that they really have been tested. This will be the first division leader that they play this year, but I think the Ravens are a little bit overrated. I think at home, Dallas takes this one. I think Baltimore is the worst division leader in the league, but I do think this is going to be a very competitive game. They have the number one rushing defense, which should do its best to keep Ezekiel yeah. Elliott in check. I don't know how well they'll do in doing that. I'll take the Dallas Cowboys at home. I'll probably wind up you know, regretting believing in them so much, but I do believe a lot in, in the Cowboys, so I'm going to take Dallas. AFC South team alert, Jacksonville at Detroit. <laughs> but I'm picking against the Jaguars. I think that Detroit's playing well. Matt Stafford's having a really good season at home. I mean, Blake Bortles is awful, so I'm going with the Lions. I don't think Blake Bortles is that awful, even though he hasn't played that well this year, but I'll still take the Lions at home. I'll take the Lions too, Detroit. Tennessee at Indianapolis, AFC South interdivision matchup. Sound <laughs> the alarm. We are just mentioning Tennessee. I actually think Tennessee does win this. They go on the road and they beat Indy. I like Tennessee, but I'm going to take the Colts at home. I'm going to take Tennessee. I think that they could catch the Texans soon. Tampa Bay at Kansas City. Kansas City keeps finding ways to win week after week, and I think it continues this week. I think they make Jameis Winston make a few mistakes, and Spencer Ware goes nuts. I think Chiefs win. I think Kansas City is one of the more underrated teams in the league, dealing with a ton of injuries every week to key players. They always seem to find a way to win. I'm taking Kansas City. I'm going to take Kansas City. Not flashy, but they're still good. They just always find a way to win. And their home field advantage is ridiculous. Yeah. All right, Arizona at Minnesota. This is a good game. It's a tough one. It's the toughest game of the week to pick. Cardinals starting to play a little bit better lately. Minnesota's lost four straight. Uh, I'm going to take the Cardinals. I don't know why, but I, I just think that maybe they're a little bit more talented. Yeah, two teams trending in the wrong direction here. I'm going to take the Cardinals with a tough-fought victory on the road. I'm going to take Minnesota. I feel like eventually the Vikings have to win, right? One would think. I don't know. <laughs> all right, next up, yeah. Miami, who is all of a sudden 5-4. and four. At the Rams, Jared Goff expects to get his first career start, and I think that the Dolphins will take advantage of him. I think they continue to play well, move to six and four, which is crazy. This game is in Mexico City, I think, right? No, that's no. the uh, Raiders Texas game. Raiders Texas. Okay, sorry about that. But I think Jared Goff, though, in his first game, the crowd will be fired up, team will be fired up. They're going to win that game. Rams are going to take it. I'm going to take the Rams just because I can't believe that the Dolphins yeah, would go to six weird. and four. So I'm going to take the Rams. All right, next up, New England at San Francisco. I think New England bounces back from a tough loss, and they, they beat the 49ers soundly. Yeah, Patriots is an easy one. Yeah, I'm going New England here, especially with uh, guys like Tom Brady, Julian Edelman going back to California where they're from. So I'm going Patriots. Philly at Seattle. I think Seattle coming off an, a big win over those Patriots we just mentioned. I think they're really starting to hit their stride, and I think that their defense at home will make Carson Wentz look like a rookie. I'm taking the Seahawks. Yeah, I take the Seahawks here at home. I like. I'm kind of interested to see though how Wentz deals with that secondary and the veterans they have back there. But Seattle's going to take this one fairly easily. I'm taking the Seahawks too. I think that at this point they're the best team in the NFC. Green Bay at Washington, the Sunday night game. This could be the best game in the week. These are two pretty interesting teams. 
I know Washington has the better record, 5-3-1, Green Bay's 4-5, but I think Aaron Rodgers has a monster game. I don't think they fall to 4-6. I'm taking the Packers. Yeah, Washington's been playing great as of late after a tough start to the season, but I'm going to take the Packers on Sunday Night Football. Aaron Rodgers is going to shine on that stage. Yeah, the Packers, it seems like there are a bunch of teams that, you know, just it seems like they got to win at some point, right? So I'm going to take the Packers. Yeah. It, You know, you look around the league, it's like the, the Panthers, and who did we just mention? The... Um, Needed to win the Bengals. The Bengals. The Vikings. The Everyone Bengals, needs the Vikings. a win. It's late in <laughs> the got, season. You got all those teams. You got the Packers in that grouping, so I'm going to take the Packers. All right, last game of the week. This is the Mexico City game on Monday night. Houston at Oakland. Oakland is back. I think they continue to be back. I'm taking the Raiders. Oakland's one of my favorite teams in the league. Derek Carr is going to leave the game with a win and a sombrero. This is another one of those surprising teams that I'll probably regret believing in, but I believe in the Raiders right now, so I'm going to take the Raiders. I think the Raiders are going to be the toughest competition to the Patriots in the AFC. That's my prediction. I don't know. One of those AFC West teams. I, I think that in order I'm going to go with, you know, you got the Raiders and then you got the Chiefs, who I think are a little bit more of a threat, and then the Broncos. I, I I'm always that. very wary of the Broncos, so I think the Broncos are the biggest threat in the AFC. Oh, I, this, I reversal. I think Raiders, Chiefs, Broncos. I think the Raiders are the second-best team, but I still think, despite their 4-5 and five record, the Steelers are the team that will give the Patriots the most trouble after sneaking into the playoffs. I agree. All right, so that is our pick-em segment, and that is our show. Week 11 in the books, thanks to Charlie Maisano for his help, and thanks to Billy Reinhardt for hosting and doing fantasy, Brendan O'Connell for producing and hosting along with me. I'm Tom Scabelli. Till next week, this is NFL Friday.